You are listening to the Women of the Military podcast, where we share the stories of female service members and how the military touched their lives. I'm your host, military veteran, military spouse, and mom, Amanda Huffman. My goal is to find the heart of the story and uncover issues women face while serving in the military. If you want to be encouraged by the stories of military women and be inspired to change the world, keep tuned for this latest episode of Women of the Military. My guest today is Teresa Boone. Teresa served in the Army for 15 years. She was medically retired after being diagnosed with combat post-traumatic stress disorder. As a way to begin her healing process, she created a Mitsa Media Independent AMI LLC, an accessible and online establishment to expose the personal matters of U.S. military service women and to bridge the gap between us and our communities by promoting education and unity. Her desire is to reveal realistic and inspirational testimonies through blogs, video, radio, books, uniquely designed apparel, and community outreach. Ultimately, it's about bringing awareness to mental health by developing healthier relationships and personal transformation through storytelling. I'm excited to get a chance to talk to you today. Welcome, Teresa. Hello. Welcome, Amanda. I'm going to start with why did you decide to join the military? Okay, first it is my mistake that I did not tell you. My name is Teresa. It is very common that people say Teresa, which is why I should have told you Teresa, because it's okay. So it's okay, I correct. So it's not a problem. Why I decided to join the military, it's interesting, but I guess the best way to put it is because I wanted to leave home, Chicago, Illinois. And I actually did it in a way of thinking that I was running away from home because I didn't want to be home. I didn't know much about the military at all. I happened to ditch school and stumbled across some people in uniform, didn't have a clue who they were other than what I saw on TV. So going through that process eventually led me to join the military without having a clue what was going on or what it was about. But basically, that's why I joined the military. So you were kind of a little lost and the military helped you find your way? Yes. And I just recently, over a year ago, I just recently published a book about my childhood experiences. So that first series, it touches a lot on what led me to join the military. It gives more specifics, and that's bravely miseducated how I lost my voice. So going into the military, I do believe my experience helped me gain my voice through the different experiences I had gained over the past 15 years. So yes, that's in a nutshell why I decided to join. But again, the Pacifics are in the book because it is a lot of details and it happened over the um, years that I eventually decided to, after things kept building up, but I joined right after high school. I want to say about nine days after I graduated. That was the earliest they can let me leave, so I left. On June 10th, I graduated June 1st, and I was gone. I wasn't even 18. I was a little bit before seven. I'm turning 18. July 10th is my birthday, so yeah. I took off 15 years later. I, did, I retired, and I'm here now. Wow, that's crazy to think that nine days after you graduated high school you were at basic training for me it wasn't actually to get a little bit on my childhood experience i would say a lot of my military experiences 
was similar to my childhood experiences. So it definitely felt the same, even like with basic training, it was definitely felt the same. So when the drill sergeants yelling at us or whatever, that didn't bother me. It was um, something I was very used to. So I felt like a part of that culture quickly. So it wasn't a lot of adjustments I had to make, believe it or not, when I first joined. So it, it wasn't a problem. I think the only issue I had was I always got in trouble because I always probably didn't take it serious. But I was a kid at that time, so basic training wasn't an issue. I think for me, the only issue I had was the climate change. I'm from Chicago, Illinois, so I never left until I joined the military, and I went straight to South Carolina, Fort Jackson, and the heat was very awful for me. Mosquitoes, I had a lot of allergic reactions, so outside of that, there were a lot of different things that occurred, but due to a lot of my upbringing, it wasn't a huge adjustment for me. Can you tell me what your job was while you were in the military? So going back a little bit into getting this list for my drill sergeants with what, well, not drill sergeant, I take that back, the recruiter. It was a list of jobs. I had no clue what these jobs were. So I just said, hey, listen, I don't know what this is. So just make sure I'm indoors because I don't want to be that one that I saw in all you could be commercial where I'm low crawling in the mud. So I don't care. Just put me indoors. <laughs> and um, so I became a logistician. I was a unit supply specialist. That was my first MOS. And I've done it for about seven years. Yeah, about seven years. Um, unit supply specialist. And it was good. Nine weeks, I want to say, was my training. And I had no issues with that. My first duty station was Fort Knox, Kentucky. And um, I want to say a few weeks after coming into my first duty station, we had to be locked down for, I think, in total 30 days. But I wasn't there that long because I had just got there because someone lost a weapon. I worked at Fort Knox where it was tens, 20,000s of weapons where we inventoried it day in, day out and cleaned them. And someone lost the M9 and never found it. So they put it on someone and that person had to get kicked out. But that experience was probably my first, I guess you could say first time I felt a little discomfort because now I'm sleeping in this bin with this weapon smell and all of these strange people and, I was, and I'm not sure when it's over versus basic training AIT. I know when it ends. So that was different, very, very different. And soon after that, I got pregnant with my daughter. So that was a big adjustment because I went from silly, acting silly all the time to now I have a life to raise. So I matured a little faster than I probably would have wanted to. But one good thing was I was wasn't working in a weapons pool while I was pregnant, but as soon as I had my daughter, they put me right back in there. So, but the job wasn't a problem. I, I learned quickly, it was okay. But the, what I noticed was I had, our job was much more detailed than weapons because when I was pregnant and they pulled me out, I worked in a supply room, which is the primary, which was the primary description, the primary duty responsibility was in a supply room. So I realized I definitely liked that more because I didn't have to deal with the smell of the weapons. The weapons were fine, but the smell was the problem. And eventually I left. My daughter was six months when I found out that I 
had orders to leave. I'm a single parent and I left to go to Korea. So um, I had to leave my daughter. That was not so good either. But overall with my job for those first seven years, I didn't have any issues with the job. I loved the job. It, it was primarily making sure all of the units had what they needed for their mission, what whatever supplies they needed. That was basically my role. And I had to also inventory all of the equipment that my units were assigned from the commander. So I had to pretty much protect him or her during those seven years of being a unit supply specialist. You talked about leaving for Korea. Was that like a deployment, a year, a 365? Okay, some would say that that's a deployment, but... Taking it from an individual that been in 15 years, seven duty stations, I would not necessarily consider it a deployment. It was unaccompanied as it was when I had different schools over the years, but a deployment, if I had to compare, when I first went there, yes, that's how I felt. That was my very first time I went overseas. That's how I felt not knowing the difference. So that only thing that really bothered me the entire time of being in Korea was away from my daughter. Being in Korea, I didn't feel unsafe or anything, but I didn't want to be there because I had my daughter and I was a brand new mom. There was no Skype, no Zoom or anything like that where we had video chat or anything. So that, if I had to think of anything about how the culture was, it definitely was more so just not having my daughter. But I, I, I wouldn't say it, it was too much freedom for me to feel like it was a deployment, I guess. That makes sense. And how old was your daughter when you were gone? I think she was about seven months, eight months. It was very quick. Actually, I got my orders maybe three months, and she was six or seven months when I left. And it was actually a 15-month tour. It started off 365 days, but that's when I first discovered how unique my job is because I had to get extended for three months. The unit was moving to another location within Korea and they said they needed me to help them as far as identifying equipment and things like that. So they extended me for three months in Korea. And so it was a total of 15 months. Of course, I wasn't happy with it, but it wasn't shown because that wasn't just a military culture. This is something I was also accustomed to as growing up in Chicago. So it wasn't a lot of emotions I showed because that's just not what you did. When I returned, it was September 1st. My daughter wasn't even two. She turned two September 17th. And I went to Fort Hood, Texas. We were on leave at that time so I could find a home. And sometime between September 2nd and September 10th, I got a call to come into the unit sooner than I wanted to, and they told me that I had to deploy the following month with a unit I wasn't originally assigned to, but because of my job, now this is the same year I'm hearing because of my job. A few months prior to that, it was because of my job of why I had to stay an extra three months after I already fulfilled my obligation. So at this point, that was the first time I cried because it was already awkward coming back from Korea and my daughter holding on to my mom, looking at me like, who the heck are you? That was already a scary experience for me. By the time I'm thinking I want to develop this relationship with her and 
for her to get used to me, I hear I have to go again. So I broke down and cried and I still had to go, which I don't recall the last time I had cried after that because I realized, okay, well, that doesn't work. I still have to go. So even explaining it to them, which clearly they didn't see it as a deployment because I just got back 15 months on a company and then that following month, October, now I have to go to Iraq. And so I didn't have to worry about getting a place. We just was in and out of hotel and that was a little stressful because I had to get a new car as well <laughs> because one of my siblings crashed my car. But I got the car before I found out about deploying. So it was a lot of changes. And I think I wasn't even 21 at this point. <laughs> so I did that. I did it. Again, the work wasn't really an issue. The, I would say the very first time it became an issue was Iraq because a soldier took his life and I had to inventory the clothes. So I'm learning more and more and more about what my job's supposed to be, and I felt like, okay, they're just adding on responsibilities at this point. So I didn't know this soldier too well because this was very early into the deployment, and, but I felt like I knew the person because I'm touching his clothes, I have to separate it. That was really, really weird for me. That was probably the main Point. That was probably the time I realized, yeah, Korea and Iraq are not the same because going through that, it, it, it was a shell shock. And I'd done 12 months in Iraq during that period. So despite that uncomfortable experience, overall, we had such a tight bond being in that unit. I was in an engineer unit that I was able to stay afloat with what we were going through, what was going on there. So it wasn't as bad because I built a bond with a lot of people. So it made that experience, looking back, of course, it made that experience so much better because I was hurting already that I had to leave again. And then the issue with the soldier and yeah. So over time, just having really close friends, it really, that's what kept me through and made me really overcome that process. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about the fact that you had to leave your daughter when she was just over six months old. Then you were gone for 15 months, home Mm -hmm. for about a month and a half, and then you left again. And so when you finally got home, that was another, that was a year long deployment, right? Yeah, that was 12 months. So she was almost three, right? 2005, she was turning two when I left. So yeah, we returned back 2006. She was already three because we returned back that October. Okay. Um, So she was already three years old. Yeah. (laughs) That experience, okay. So that experience, I didn't think about it till you just brought it up. So it's like now it's come so clear. Um, That experience, I remember getting off the plane. I think they started video stuff during that time, during that period, but um, I didn't use it. I couldn't tell you why. I know it wasn't open where you could just jump in anytime you wanted to, probably because it was new. It was like set times. And I think a lot had to do with whatever I had to do for a job. I just didn't have the time. Then when I had the time, my mom didn't have the technology to allow me to see her. So I I didn't use it. 
it wasn't too bad for me coming back, at least how I felt, because I guess I started, I was already numb at this point, so I didn't really have that much, I already knew what to expect, I guess, because my daughter was the same, didn't really know who I was, whatever, it was, it was, it was exactly the same, but I didn't feel the same, so I went through that period. Let's see, what else had happened during that period? I stayed there for I think a good year because prior to that I realized I, I truly knew at this point yeah they need me for a whole lot with this job I didn't mind a job but I knew the job was before my family I knew that so I needed to get out the unit I needed to get out of a unit that deployed so rapidly I was able to contact I cannot remember the rep online that you can contact and request but I guess it's branch manager for the most part you can request potential orders to go. Well, they see that I've been in for, what, three years and some change, and I've already hit my third duty station. So they allowed me to go, and they said, well, we have, and I said, I do not, I want to go anywhere where I do not have to leave my daughter. And so they sent me to Fort Irwin, California, because in Texas, I didn't really, yeah, there really wasn't a relationship development with me and my daughter, because it was only like a year when I returned back that I was in Texas. And in that year, I mean, I'm getting, we have to reset everything first. That took a couple months. And when you say reset as individuals going through health, then you also talking about the equipment, that's my job. So I had all of that to do. So after that point of doing that, it was like, I mean, I just didn't have the time. I definitely didn't know what I was doing. And then now I'm preparing to leave to go to California. So it, it I, can't think of any moments we really had because I know we were detached. Looking back, California time, I definitely took it for Irwin, and that was in the field. Most people would say you're crazy for going to Fort Irwin, California, because it's in a desert. I didn't care because I was with my daughter. So I spent two years there, and that was probably my best duty station with my MOS that I had at that time because I. It, that was the longest I had my daughter, two years. Now, I did go to school two months, and I think probably something else um, within those two years. Probably school was the only thing that I could think of, but that was still the longest time. So I did appreciate that. I did not see for Urban was my home to me. I didn't see it as a bad thing because if I had my daughter, I was good. So that was fine as well. But that was all of my first MOS, which was a unit supply specialist. And that was all the way up until 2009. So yeah, that was a little bit over seven years. Actually, it's about seven and a half years. So seven and a half years, I was a unit supply specialist. And that was my journey. And then what MOS did you switch to? So the second half, which was seven and a half years, once I hear that they wanted to, um, I was a staff sergeant. I, I started as the E1 private and I ended my um, first seven and a half years as a staff sergeant. I guess that was one of the advantages of leaving all the time. Um, you were probably on the top of the list to potentially get promoted. I didn't see it as a plus. All in my mind, I'm not with my daughter, um, but this is what others are saying. So um, I was a staff sergeant and when I was deployed a lot, I tend to 
try to enhance my education as a way to not think about being separated from my daughter, not knowing that the advantages, there are advantages and disadvantages with that. So due to that, they wanted me to be a drill sergeant or recruiter. I didn't want either one because I knew that would be more time away from my daughter. And that wasn't something I wanted. So I decided to become a warrant officer which required me to put in an application to be selected. And I also thought that they did less work at that time because of what I seen. I personally seen, so I thought, okay, this will be great for me. I switched over and became a warrant officer, property accounting technician. They changed it at least three times since I've been in, so it's probably been changed again. So I was a property accounting technician, and basically it was just an upgrade from a unit supply specialist. On the outside looking in, most people, I think it's still common for them to say that warrant officers don't do as much work. And that may be true because I, I probably have to agree. At least most of my battle buddies were like that, but there was a large number to include myself. It did not apply to. I did way more work than when I was a unit supply specialist, which I did not expect. And actually, my first duty station, I deployed again. I went to Afghanistan. I was only there for, I think I, I, I arrived there in May because it was snowing. I went to Fort Knox, I'm not Fort Knox, Fort Drum. It was in May, right around Mother's Day, and it snowed in New York. So I remembered it, and I want to say October or September 30th is when we deployed to Afghanistan. And I'm a warrant officer, so it was like a few months after I went to that unit, ELD unit. I believe a lot of my combat post-traumatic stress was during that tour. Maybe some during my Iraq. Didn't realize that until you just asked me about that experience. But I believe a lot of it was then. ELD unit was probably my best unit overall in my military career and probably one of the best units many may agree to say stateside and it makes a whole lot of sense why they were so laid back stateside because when you deploy it's totally different so that was a lot of changes when I deployed there too many people passed away at this point and I know these people personally and lot of injuries as well. So that was a lot for me, especially because I, I knew at least where I stayed, the tent I stayed in, they had to come into that tent before they left. And I'm a sociable individual. And I worked, like I say, I worked all the time because how ELD work, our unit we were deployed, but then there are still units stateside, and I had to take charge of both sides. So now I'm up on both time zones. So I can, and that helps too, socializing. So I'm building this, I mean, and they're in there for at least a good hour or so before they leave. So even if I didn't know them that long, I knew them enough to where it affected me. So that was definitely the time I realized it's probably time for me to get out of the military was the Afghanistan. But at that time, I didn't realize that how long I had left, how long of a commitment I had. So I stayed in, because that was 2010, 2011. So I stayed in over six years later. 
because I did have a commitment. I did. I, I think it was like six years once I became a warrant officer. So, of course, I stayed in during this process. I liked the ELD. Fort Drum, I didn't mind the place at all because I was with my daughter if I wasn't deployed. Coming back, I don't really recall. I think we both were numb at this point. Plus, my daughter knew me. But I think we both just kind of knew that was routine. So, it just became like, okay. There wasn't anything significant that stood out for me for Fort Drum other than when we returned. I didn't want to see, or even when we were there, I didn't want to see the ones that lost limbs because I knew I would cry. And it'd been years since I cried, since the time, the first time I left my daughter. Uh, well, the second time I left my daughter, but the first time going to Iraq. So I didn't want to see them. Of course, I never explained why. So I just didn't want to see them because I didn't want to cry. That was probably the only thing I didn't like about being at drama if I, I tried to avoid them. But they obviously knew something was wrong. If I'm sociable and now I'm not saying anything. Then I went back to Korea. I've done three years in Fort Drum and they sent me back to Korea. I was upset because it was a lot of changes happening to me at Fort Drum that I couldn't put it together. I didn't understand that it was a lot of what was happening in Afghanistan. I just didn't understand what was going on. So, but I knew I needed to figure it out, but I couldn't because I got to go again. So I was very, very, very upset at this point. I definitely expressed it. And yeah, I did my time again, a year in Korea. And then my last final duty station was Fort Bragg, North Carolina, where I'm at right now. And this was probably my worst duty station. I wouldn't say probably. This was my least favorite duty station here at Fort Bragg. I guess if I wanted to accept a little responsibility, I think a lot of not getting the care I needed at Fort Drum, but that was out of my control. Then I went to Korea. I was getting a little care, but it's very limited. And then Bragg, I think it just made it worse. It just kept building up. So long story short, with that process, I had a Definitely had a toxic supervisor as well. But after that process, um, basically my therapist helped me get out the military. She told me, she asked me if I wanted to, because most of the time I came, I expressed how I felt about work. I expressed how I worked so much. I expressed how it frustrated me because I was, in everyone's eyes, very great at my job. But in my eyes, I was a horrible parent. So I, and I didn't know what to do. So I expressed that to my therapist often, and she asked me if I wanted to get out. I'm like, heck yeah, but I'm so used to thinking, okay, I'm stuck in here. That's pretty much how I got out. She told me what I needed to do to process, and I started the process. And two years after that, I was able to retire, medically retire, September 2017. And yeah, one of, one of many decisions that was something I would not change if I had the option to do so. It sounds like you spent a lot of time overseas during your time in the military. A deployment to Iraq, a deployment to Afghanistan, and two trips to Korea. Yeah. All that time was after your daughter was born. Yes, because I had her, I got pretty like, like two months after AIT. So yeah, this was all after she was born. Sometimes I hear male soldiers, particularly the ones that were or still is married, 
talk about their spouses. I've never been married, but I'm a woman. And that's probably one of the memorable moments I enjoyed was talking to males because it helped me grow as a woman because I understood what a male was thinking more. And then, of course, as a woman, I already knew what the wife was going through just as a woman. So sometimes, especially if I had a good relationship with the couple, I would talk to the wife too, to just have her understand what we're going through. And what I say is, because a lot of things I hear that's been common about males, like the anger and things like that. And that's common with us too, especially if we went through that. Because I went through that a lot. It wasn't with a spouse, but it was with my child. But listening to them helped me as a woman but also me explaining to them, because I've always been open about anything, as long as I knew what it was. But if I didn't know what was going on with me, then I don't know. So minus the crying, I, that's, I always avoided that. Not anymore, but prior to my last therapist who helped me out, I didn't avoid it. But prior to, after, after I met her, then it was better because I didn't know who a therapist was either. I didn't know anything about that. That was the other big thing looking back that I felt like could have been better. They could have explained a lot of those things to us, especially when we're coming back from overseas. Whether it's a combat, it's a um, place or not. I mean, you're, you're coming from a different country. Even if it's a different state, the cultures are always different. So it would have been, and you know you're getting people at 17, 18, we're children. So it would have been nice to really explain these different things like therapy and stuff like that. I just happened to have like a breakdown in Korea because I was getting sick a lot and I was just not knowing what was going on. And that's how I went. That's how I knew about a therapist, but I still didn't even know the person was a therapist. So after experiencing that, it helped me open up more. Well, it helped me discover more about myself. Then I realized I the type that like to open up. So talking with other male soldiers, especially the ones that have married, I was able to express how I feel, and even as a woman, how we may feel, but also try to explain to the spouse, the woman, what we probably are going through. And sometimes it's even difficult as males to say that they have a problem. But it's easier for a person who's been in to notice that because you probably went through the same thing. So I did enjoy that. I did enjoy that because, again, I think that helped me want to get out and want to know more about myself by communicating with other people and not looking at anyone as a bad person. It's always a why. That's what I always see. It's always a why behind anything. So I think that really was the turning point for my own personal development. I will always appreciate that, always. Yeah, that's really important. I think that the military doesn't do a good enough job focusing on talking about those things and making sure that we're really okay. And not. I feel like sometimes the military judges what your experience is, and they're like, you should be fine. You weren't out on the front lines, or you didn't see that much combat. You only saw a little bit. Instead of talking to everyone and knowing that everyone can be affected. It doesn't matter what their experience is. Someone who has what could seem more traumatic is fine, and someone who has something not as traumatic is not. So, yeah, I agree. Ooh, wow, that touches the button all the time. If I was to hear people say that, oh, my goodness. I'm all, and I was like that the last few years of the military because oh, this is one of the best things. It was so many great moments in the military, but... Being, starting from an E1 and becoming an officer, just being in those shoes, oh, that was such, 
Because one thing about me that was a challenge as an officer, they expected me not to talk to the lower enlisted. And I'm looking at it as being a human and being there and wishing that someone reached out to me when I was in their shoes. So I would still do it course not understanding why I couldn't do it but that was always that conflict and as you stated a big issue a big reason why I would even do it because I would notice something is wrong that would get to me when I hear them say oh that's nothing is wrong with them they haven't done this or that that really bothered me because even though I was able to find my way to get that help everybody's different and some people may not live long enough to get the help. And to know even how someone committed suicide, they, I'm sure there was ways that we could have seen those signs. That is really touchy for me. I don't like people like that. I'm actually the type that I will always jump in and be like, no, you don't tell this person this. And, and most of them could be unintentionally a bully, but I see it as bullying. I see it as bullying when you do these things. Everyone is human. And as you mm -hmm. stated, you know, a traumatic experience is not just watching something. It's being a part of that, witnessing it or actually hearing about it, see, or even just being exposed to something that you're not used to. And I don't like, like you say, people say that. Of course, unfortunately for me, I experienced a lot of those different things, but that was the, also the plus because I understand that it's more than just that. Even if I seen one thing, I, was, I had traumatic experience before I joined the military, but I didn't really understand it. I didn't see it until over time, everything else, it kept building up these different issues I had. And as you stated, you know, it's, they just don't do a good job. And I had to, of course, get out because I have my daughter. If I did not have my daughter, I would have stayed in only because I wanted, I would have been that advocate about it. I would have pushed it more, but I, but I knew that if I have this opportunity to get out to be with my daughter, that's what I'm going to do, but I'm still going to find a way to push this out. And that's what I'm trying to develop while I'm out. I want to start doing that and I want to work my way up. So even working on, because I'm a military veteran, female, it's a little bit easier because right now I still have challenges. As I stated, I didn't realize that tied into it, my Iraq experience to today. So it's like, I'm still going through stuff. It haven't even been two years. So I know that it got to take some time for me. So it's much easier for me to focus on a female veteran because I'm a female veteran and I'm still trying to get past things myself. That's a big part of why I'm moving because of my challenges. That's the number one reason why I'm moving today. But my end state is definitely to really branch out with this because it, it's really personal for me. And I definitely heard your episode, listened to specifically your episode one. And the first time, I couldn't finish it, first of all, initially, because it sounded just like what I was feeling, what I was going through. So, I, I, so it, it kind of got me off guard. I kind of knew what to expect, but I didn't listen to what you were talking about. So I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, let me take a breather. Let me wait. Because it was refreshing. It was good. So it was one of those emotional things, but in a good way, because I'm like, ah, yeah, it's more how I knew it was, but to know I'm about to talk to one, I was just like, oh man, I was getting excited about it. 
which is why I was like, okay, although I'm in the middle of a move, I have to do this because I know how she feels. I feel the same way. So it is very important for me. And I realized I've been that type that always stood up and said something. I'm the fifth of 10 kids. My mom had 10 children and I'm the only one that left. I'm the only one that went to the military. So I've always been that one that's been willing to do stuff, but I never paid any attention. I had my reasons, even though people thought it was one reason, unless they asked me, it was always something personal. It was always something I'm trying to seek of what's going on with me. So now that I'm learning more and more, I knew it was time especially because I'm struggling with this with my family now. They don't know me like that. They see I'm different. So I knew it was definitely more veteran um, because I'm stuck. I don't really know them either. So even going back home, because I have a habit of isolating myself, I would do that a lot because it's comfortable for me. But I know that my life not supposed to be comfortable. I supposed to be comfortable being uncomfortable. So I have to leave. Plus, I'm too close to a military installation. I still feel like I'm still in, and I don't want to feel like that. So I need to really take the complete step of going into my next chapter so I can be fully engaged on getting this message out and talking about the different things you go through, whether you've been overseas. I mean, you're exposed to something new that could be traumatic. So I want to do what I know I suppose to, that I've done all the time, um, but I want to make sure as far as I can reach is where I want to go until my time is up, but hopefully it can still continue on after. I have one last question for you. What would you tell women who are considering joining the military? What I would tell women who are considering joining the military is to please seek prior service members and they are out there, um, out there even more now because of social media, wasn't a lot in 2002, but seek those service members, men or women, but specifically women, seek those service members, whether they are veterans or they're still in, and just pick their ears all day. I think that that would probably be the best way. I definitely wouldn't say don't join. I didn't think I need to force my daughter not to join because she definitely is not. <laughs> but because it has a lot of great benefits, a lot of great benefits. And for me, I have been able to finally feel like I'm open and honest and okay with anything that goes on with me. And I don't know if I would have gotten it if I didn't go to the military. I don't know because going into the military, I was, I was exposed to so many different cultures. And if I did not have that, being in the culture I was in in Chicago, that is very limited to what I have now. So I've learned so much and I wouldn't change anything. So I definitely would say that it is very, very rewarding, but it is very critical that you reach out and touch those women that have served, that have worn a uniform, and that will at least be a great start to your success in the military. I think that's great advice, and that's one of the reasons I started the podcast, so that women who are considering joining can hear the experiences of women who have served or are currently serving. I want to thank you for being a guest on the podcast, and I'll put links to your to your website so that people can find you and your social media handles. And I just really appreciate your honesty and your openness, and just thank you for your service and just for being a guest on the podcast.
Thank you. Thank you for having me, Amanda. And um, anytime you need me again, especially after I move, I'm here. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get Women of the Military podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show onto all the apps people like to listen to? How much will it cost to get started? And how will I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. So, if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go for it. Go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Women of the Military. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing stories I have with women who have served in our military. Did you love the show? Don't forget to leave a review. Finally, if you are a woman who has served or is currently serving in the military, please email me at airmantomom at gmail.com so I can set you up to be on a future episode of Women of the Military.